Good morning, everyone. I trust everything is wonderful in your lives. It's not. Hey, I want to. I want to give a shout out um, to our tech guys. Uh, big hand. They, Dan, Josh. Thanks, guys. You guys hammered it out today and. That was a lot of stuff to do in a very short period of time. It was, it was amazing. Um, I am blessed in, sometimes when you, when you uh, develop a teaching, you go, is that God or is that me? You know, I mean, I don't want it to be me, but I'm just so blessed because of the songs that we sang and the words today. Uh, I went, okay, I guess I did hear God, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, I don't know about you guys. Uh, I'm going to just piggyback on what was said earlier. Um, I don't know how many commercials you've heard of that we live in uncertain times. Have you heard that phrase? I mean, over and over and over and over again, right? Well, let me ask you, brothers and sisters, have any times been certain? No. Thank you. Right? Um, sometimes it can be hard to connect the dots. I was speaking to the elders the other night and their wives. It's, we go from Sunday to Sunday, and sometimes we don't see how God has connected the dots and where he's bringing us. And as I was, like, going back, even, like, for the last year, I went, oh, my goodness, he has brought us right where we need to be. Right where we need to be. I look back at the plausible arguments and what we talked about. Boy, you, are you uh, listening to the plausible arguments now? Everywhere? How about the revelation class and just the thought process in following that whole teaching and where we're at? How about God's attributes? And now to the book of Hebrews. In February, I think it was our last prayer meeting, I received this scripture from 2 Samuel, and it was, it was springtime, the time for kings to go to war. I went, you know, and I prayed a little bit about that, didn't get it. Two, three weeks later, bam, COVID, bam, George Floyd, bam, riots, bam, 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 all the bams. And that's what God is talking about to us today, about these internal battles that we have. And now we're in the book of Hebrews. And I said this two weeks ago or three weeks ago, that this book is a prophetic book of adjustment for us. It was written one and a half, two years maybe, before Jerusalem was encircled by the Romans, cut off to supplies, breached, and destroyed. The temple was destroyed in that attack. Everything that the Jew knew was gone. Thanos. <laughs> Avenger. <laughs> this book, unlike I think any other in the New Testament, parallels Isaiah in basically going, Jesus. That's it. Jesus, 
all the other stuff, Jesus, we're going there. And we're going to stay there. And we're going to keep going there. God is dealing with us first, guys. Judgment begins with the household of God. And all the focus that we had in other certain places might be gone. I thought about football. Hmm. And tradition. You know, what's Thanksgiving going to be like without a cowboy game and them losing? <laughs> Sorry, cowboy fans. What, what's it going to be like? Well, it might not be there. But we have the only one who's certain with us, with our family. And I, I just see God, again, going, it's a narrow road, church. It is a narrow road that we follow. And as we read today, there's only one access to God. I talked to a guy at work. I'm, I'm just like just preaching at work now. And this guy was like, no, all roads lead to God. I go, and he goes, that's what you think. I go, no, that's what he said. <laughs> he said it. So you have, to, you have to deal with that. God is narrowing our focus, guys, in these days. He always narrowed the focus. And, and we kind of like, we like what we like. He's going, oh, he's narrowing us down. Is he not? So that we're ready. It's very simple to know him and to make him known. The gospel is really simple. I still like to see the Cowboys lose, and maybe they will, and maybe they won't. But that won't matter. That won't matter at all. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. I'm going to read, starting in verse 13 to chapter 5, verse 3. And what I'm going to do here is I'm going to set the table. I'm going to set a table for us to come and feast on the goodness of the Lord. But let me tell you, when I set the table, I'm going to ask a, a question. And I'm going to say, do you want to come in? And we're going to get to that. Let me read. I'm reading out of the New American Standard. It's real close to the ESV. So you can you follow along. It's, it's super close. Verse 13, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. In the ESV, I believe it says, in whom we have to give an account to. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things, as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and may find, that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in time of need. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed on behalf of men in things pertaining to God in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant 
and misguided, I'm usually that ignorant guy, since he himself also is beset with weakness. And because of it, he is obligated to offer sacrifices for sins. As for the people, so also for himself. Father, we love your word. We thank you for it. I pray that you would help me to communicate what you've put in my heart in this week. I pray that you would speak to us clearly of the Son of God and that we would grab on and hold on to the confession of who he is. And I pray that you would help us live our lives in such a, a different way walking out of here today. You're amazing. We love you. Amen. So I said I was going to set the table. Let me set the table. The psalmist in, in Psalm 24.3 asked this question. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? And who may stand in his holy place? The placemats are down. Who can stand before this God? And I believe chapter 13, what we just read, of the one who's, who's open, his eyes see us. We cannot hide. We cannot run. We cannot, you cannot run. And he will judge the living and the dead one day. And he is holy. On that verse, now the rest of the book hinges. How can you go in? How can you go in? I'm going to steal a little bit, like, like I was telling the band. Um, any good musician beg, borrows, and steals. I'm going to steal a little bit out of R.C. Sproul. And he talks about the holiness of God. And usually we think of that as a verb. Righteousness, moral purity, doing that sort of thing. And that is true. But what the Bible talks about with God is that it is an adjective. It is who he is. The word holy means separate, otherly, different from, transcendent. We use that word. Ex that means existence beyond the normal or physical level. He's higher. He's superior. R.C. Sproul uses a Latin term to describe the holiness of God, the mysterium tremendum. Have you heard of that? The terrible mystery. And he said that while we are drawn to God, we can at the same time be repelled by him because of his nature, because of who he is. And I wrote, and there ain't nowhere to hide. Let's turn in your Bibles to Exodus. Matt always says I love the Old Testament, and I do, because it points to Jesus. Exodus chapter 19. Verse 18. Now Mount Sinai was all in smoke 
because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked violently. When the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him with thunder. And the Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. I think that's where we get holy smokes. I think that's where we get that. Turn one more chapter to chapter 20. The same verses, 18 through 21. And all the people perceived the thunder and the lightning, flashes and sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, here, here's your terrible mystery. The people stood at a distance. I want to go up, but oh, Holy smokes. Then they said to Moses, hey, speak to us yourself, and we will listen, but not let God speak to us lest we die. You go up there, you, you, and hopefully you come back. You go up. And Moses said to the people, and now we go from adjective to verb, do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you, and in order that the fear of him may remain with you so that you may not sin. The holiness of God. Turn in your Bibles to Leviticus. I'm going to set the table. I'm setting the table. Chapter 10. These guys wanted, these guys were drawn to God. They wanted to check it out for themselves. Chapter 10, verse 1, now Nad Nadab and Abihu, Abihu, the sons of Aaron took their respective fire pans and after putting fire in them, placed incense on it and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them and they died before the Lord. Whew. Then Moses said to Aaron, it is what the Lord spoke saying, by those who come near me, I will be treated as holy, and before all the people, I will be honored. And I'm going to say something before I say the last thing. Aaron probably was so distraught, so angry. That's, that's flesh and blood. That's my sons. And there's two ash heaps over here. They're gone. But what did, what did the next sentence say? So therefore, Aaron kept silent. The holiness of God. The holiness of God, guys. Isaiah chapter 6, don't go there. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. What was the first words out of his mouth? What was me? I saw the train filling the temple. I saw him, and I am unclean. The holiness of God. I'm still setting the table. And if you think that was just the Old Testament, Let's go in the new. So Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration, drawn to God, he goes, hey, this is pretty cool. This is kind of cool. I see Elijah, I see Moses, I see you, Jesus. Let me build three little tabernacles for you guys. And the cloud came over. 
And he said, this is my son. Listen to him. And the cloud parted, and I'm sure he was on his face. And he said, he, they saw no one but Jesus alone. I'm wondering if Jesus had a really cool sense of humor. So later on by the fire, dude, you should have seen your face, Peter. <laughs> you should have seen your face when that cloud came over. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm sure uh, he didn't say a whole lot, right? How about Ananias and Sapphira? Right? Could you imagine the next Sunday meeting? Hey, where are they? You know, some people went on vacation like, like summer, right? And they, they show up and they go, hey, where's Ananias and Sapphira? Uh, one to come out, we'll show you. And that story's told. And I bet you the holiness of God fell on them. And I believe that's one of the reasons why the people held them. They, want, they were drawn to God. Oops, sorry, got out of the camera. They were drawn to God, and yet they were repelled by him at the same time. Fearful. How about John in Revelation, the one who put his head on Jesus' breast? And when he saw him in his glorified state, what did it say? I fell at his feet as a dead man. Matt talked about our tendency to stray in our hearts towards idolatry. Chapter 3 warns us to take care. That's what Matt said. It's not like Isaiah where we take the piece of wood. Do you know that story God talks about? Takes the piece of wood, the guy makes a, fashions an idol, sets it up there, and then he cooks his food with the rest of the wood. We're a lot more technical now. We're a lot more savvy with our idolatry. Way more savvy. We dress up our own thoughts. We dress up our own memes, our own opinions, our own actions as Jesus himself. We make Jesus that, we make a Jesus that overlooks my sin walks with me arm in arm. He's my friend. And he overlooks everything. That's not what verse 13 said. I'm going to give an account for everything I say and do. I have this running joke that I th think about myself. You guys are all in a line. And Jesus said every careless word you're going to give an account for. Right? And I picture all you guys with watches going, it's got to be Kevin in there. <laughs> and this word, and this word, and I'm like, oh, man, I know. I you know, but I'm making light, but do you, do you sense what the writer's trying to say? How are you going to go in? How are you going to come before this holy God? He dwells in unapproachable light. You know what that word is in the Greek? Unapproachable. You can't go in. I had a friend over for dinner when we were young, uh, new Christians. It was nighttime. It was, it was um, uh, wintertime, so it was really super dark. And I told her, I said, the Bible calls us darkness. And I turned off all the lights 
and it was pitch black. And then I turned on the lights, and I said, if that was us, where are you? I mean, if, if God is a God of even science and physics, light comes, where's the darkness? It's obliterated. How can you stand before him? We're going to get to that. So let's go to Psalm 50. Well, you know what? Don't go there. I'm just going to read it. In the first um, six verses, it talks about the holiness of God. Right? It says, The mighty one, the Lord has spoken and summoned the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God has shown forth. May our God come and not keep silent. Fire devours before him and is very tempestuous around him. He summons the heavens above and the earth to judge his people. Gather my godly ones to me, those who have made a covenant with me by sac sacrifice. And the, the heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. Then he goes over to this. But to the wicked, he says, what right do you have to tell of my statutes? For you hate discipline. And you cast my words behind you. Goes on, goes on, and then verse 21, he says, These things you have done, and I kept silent. You thought I was just like you. And we make this God up to be just like us. Makes it easier. Makes it easier. But God is calling us to holiness. Be holy as I am holy, he says. And we're not transcendent, but because he is, we now live a certain way. First Corinthians says this, the Lord will come who will bring both to light the things hidden in darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. So even why you do what you do, he knows. So I ask again, you want to go in? You ready to go in? The table's set. And I want to say this, that God's heart, God's heart is for us to go in and to be with him. After man fell and they hid themselves, what was the first words out of the Lord's mouth? Where are you? Where are you? I'm coming. Where are you? In 1 Kings, after the Baal's prophets did their show, what was the first words out of Elijah's mouth to the people of Israel? Come near to me and let us rebuild the altar. This is our God's heart. But he has to make the way. In Isaiah... God says this, come now, come now, and let us reason together. Jesus said it clearly, come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So that same God who thundered on the mountain, and I thought about, I thought about this, last November, there was a lightning storm that was so great. Annie drove up by the, by the car, 
I mean by the, uh, by the house, and she was in the car. And about a half a block away, lightning hit at the same time thunder hit. And it was, it was scary. And I look at Annie, I go, stay in the car. No, come this, no, stay in the car. No, come. Like she's going to dodge the lightning. <laughs> you got some groceries? All right, well, leave them in there, you know. That same God who thundered on the mountain where the people said, you go up, is the same one who picked up the little children and said, let them come to me. This is our God's heart for us. And so God made our way to him through the perfect, I'm going to say the perfect, great high priest. In Psalm 24, I asked that question, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? That was the question. The next two verses answer that. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. That he is capitalized. Only one could go in. Who has not lifted his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully. This is our God. Turn back to Hebrews. I'm going to read verse 14 through 16. I should have left my little sticky note in there. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Thank God. But one who has been tempted in all things as yet without sin. Let us, therefore, draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and may find grace in, in the time of need. When, when is your time of need? Every time you open your eyes. Every time God decides to wake you up, that's your time of need. And the picture here is that Jesus, as the perfect high priest, entered the most holy place through the veil, through the heavens, where he forever ministers to God as high priest and where he ministers to us. Therefore, we hold fast that confession that there is only one way, one access, one way to God through the Son of God, Jesus Christ, period, period. In the Old Testament, the high priest guarded God's covenant by teaching the precepts and laws and offering incense and sacrifice on God's altar. In teaching God's law, the priest spoke to men on God's behalf. In presenting sacrifices and offerings, the priest spoke to God for men. The high priest wore an ephod. Do you guys remember that? It was like this, I don't know what an ephod is, maybe a shirt, whatever. And on the ephod, there were two onyx stones with the names of the tribes of Israel here. And there were 12 different stones here, also representing the tribes of Israel. Do you know what that stood for? Do you know what that signified? That the high priest had the people close to his heart and that he carried their burdens. That's our great high priest. That's Jesus. 
So Jesus not only offered himself as the perfect sacrifice for our sins, an atonement for the sacrifice of divine justice, but he stands now. He stands now in intercession for us, for he knows who we are. It says here, he cannot... If you go through something that someone else goes through, you can understand it a whole lot better, can't you? I remember when I was back in the rock and roll days, I was primping to go out. <laughs> Took a while to primp. He knows. <laughs> and I looked in the mirror and I can't, I've said this before, this feeling of loneliness came on me that I've never experienced before. I never have again. And I started to weep because I was alone. I had tons of friends. And my girlfriend came in and she said, what's the matter? I said, I'm so alone. I'm so alone. And she said, I'm here with you. She hugged me. That didn't do anything for me. That was God calling my heart. I know that now. But I know Jesus knew that too. Because in the temple courtyard, he looked as Peter cussed or cursed. Last one left. And he was left alone. I know Jesus can sympathize with where I was at. And anything that we've gone through, guys, he's gone through, but even greater. He ministers to God because he was the perfect sacrifice. Satisfied the justice of God. Satisfied it completely. But he understands us. says that this great high priest understood because he blew it just like us. Jesus overcame it. And so he's so much greater. He was tempted in every way, yet without sin. But, and he understands fully what we go through. But he overcame it. And he knew I don't think we understand how he was tempted. We don't. He did not make a mistake in thought, in word, in deed, in heart, in motive, in subconscious, in anything. He is not cold and unfeeling. He is abundantly qualified to understand us. And he prayed, and he prays for the people. John chapter 17, when he was on earth, now his life is my prayer. He doesn't go, oh, Kevin, Father, can I pray for Kevin again? Can I pray for him again? He doesn't do that. His life is my prayer. So if I can boil down the whole priestly order of sacrifices, offering gifts and prayer, it's here. I mean, study. Study the priesthood. It's wonderful because it points to Jesus. But in Malachi, he says this, the covenant with the priesthood with Levi 
and it was two words. It was life and peace. That's it. And Jesus did that on the cross. He brought peace to us, and he brought eternal life to us in the cross. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm going to land here, and then we're going to take communion as an act of worship. Come and taste and see that the Lord is good. I set the table, and then we're going we're gonna to taste and see that the Lord is good. Verse 18, for you, church, have not come to a mountain that, be, that may be touched and to a blazing fire and to darkness and gloom and whirlwind and to the blast of a trumpet and the sound of words. Which sound was that those who heard begged, begged, begged that no further word should be spoken to them. For they could not bear the command. Even if a beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned. And so terrible was the sight. Check that out. So terrible was the sight. Moses, it said, God said, Moses, talk to me like a friend face to face. What did, what did Moses say right here? They quote him. I am full of fear and trembling. But check it out, guys. You have come to Mount Zion. And to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the myriads of angels, to the general assembly, to the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God. Your access to God is secure. You can come to him no matter what through Christ. Thank you. The judge of all and the spirits of righteous men made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. This is why we don't play with grace. This is why we don't fool around. I make mistakes. Trust me, I've, this last, what, six months, oof, God's messing with my heart. There's a lot of stuff that's, as Rick said today, it was, it, talk right to me that I'm dealing with. Thank you, Lord, that you're dealing with me. Because if he didn't, oh, I'd be in trouble. But I have access. I can go to him no matter what because of Christ, my great high priest. I'm so, so thankful, so, so thankful. And that's why we don't play. We don't play. With grace, we don't we don't play with his mercy. This is mercy in time of need. Amen? God is good. God is good. Um, can I get the band back up here? We're going to take communion. And I thought, um, that this, this is where we taste and eat that the Lord is good that he's made a way for us. And it also, I think, underscores again why we pray and why we meet. We're coming into the presence of the, 
we sang it today, right? I was so blessed. I never look at the songs before when I teach because it almost looks like you uh, coordinated everything to, to meet the teaching. Um, and I should, as a drummer, like learn the songs <laughs> before Sunday morning. But I, I listen to those songs, and I'm like, oh, God, holy, there is no one like you. There was none beside you. Open up my eyes and wonder so that I can tell people who you are. Help us, Lord. Help us not play with your grace. Help us not play with your mercy. Help us understand that we are free before you to speak with you at any time. And in Matthew, that curtain was 30 feet by 30 feet. And it says that God took it and rent it from top to bottom. I just, I see God's hands on that curtain and he ripped it. It's over. It's done. Come to me. Come to me. That's the heart of God. And that's, that's the news we bring to people. You can come. So as they play, let's get the elements and then we'll take communion together. Amen?